Welcome to Driven by Design, the only show that shows you the future of automotive design. With our design-driven designer, Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. Hey. Good afternoon. How's it going? It's going good here. For those who uh, are listening for the first time, tell us about the show here. What is Driven by Design? You certainly were with Nissan for a long time. You've been with other brands, and now you're out on your own, branching out on your own to explore all this new world of car design, which is not like <laughs> my dad's car world that I grew up in. It certainly isn't. It's changing so fast. Yeah, Driven by Design is really about inspiration, where people get their inspiration for design for creative things uh, with a focus on automotive, but also anything with wheels and rivets and metal and things that move us around. And, and you know, yeah, I spent 20 years uh, at Nissan. Uh, I'm sorry, I spent 10 years at Nissan. I'm not that old. And then I, <laughs> and then I spent the last... It felt like 20 years. Yeah, right. Uh, well, yeah, by the time it was... Uh, ready to move on. Uh, but the last decade, uh, I've been I, at about the end of my career. There, I started my own consultancy under my own name, just Brian Thompson Design, and um, with a Y. We got to make sure it's with a Y. You got to spell it with a Y. With a Y. Although you can spell it wrong. I, I, uh, <laughs> as I like to say, I did buy both domains. But the, um, but I, I spent about a decade. The last decade, I've been uh, completely independent, and uh, so I got one foot in the OEM world. OEM means like a large car company, right. and the other foot in like the Silicon Valley startups. So it's a nice area between the forefront of technology and the traditional model of automotive design. And along the way, I, I just run into the most interesting people, and so I thought this would be a great podcast to tell people about, you know, how cars are designed, how things are made, but also how people get inspired by the work they do on different levels. and um, you per know, Perfect lead-in for today's guest here. Introduce your guest to somebody you know very well. Absolutely. So today, we have none other than BT's CT, which is Brian's <laughs> brother, my brother, Chad. Uh, I was in Florida a couple weeks ago uh, to meet my new, brand-new nephew, Ozzy Bo Thompson. You will get a sense of how redneck we are just by that name alone. <laughs> and uh, Chad and I were talking, and I was like, you know, he'd be great on this podcast because my brother builds motorcycles uh, from scratch. And uh, Chad, why don't you say hello? Hello, guys. How are you? But it sounds like this wasn't his <laughs> first uh, his first rodeo. He, he does something else by day here that, that's equally exotic. It's true. My, uh, my, my main job is is power plant. I'm a, a welder and an uh, industrial mechanic. I have time off. In like so nuclear power plants or big power plants, right? Yeah, I, I don't specialize in one, but there has been my field most of my career so far. So it's uh, it's a big machines and it's, it's a lot of fun. So, so I'll get you launched and then I'll shut up here. How in the world do you go from that to designing motorcycles? I, uh, I started out welding, and the welding class that I went and took, the teachers put me in touch with a Wright Hall. No idea who Wright was, and I thought it was uh, interesting in the fact that it wasn't just welding. So I took it, uh, took it upon myself to go check it out, and 10 years later I've been working as a union millwright and travel around the country, uh, sometimes even outside, just doing power plant work. And, done everything from airports to industrial maintenance but i mostly focus on power generation and it, uh, it allows me to have time off but the whole reason i got into welding school was to build motorcycles and hot rods it's always been something i've wanted to do and i uh i didn't have any money so that's where the mill riding <laughs> came in and now in my free time i i still stick to 
Chad, tell a little bit about, about like the the turbines you you work on. I mean, I think people have anybody seen a jet engine uh, has an idea what a turbine is, but talk a bit about like the scale of what you weld. Well, it's 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 more than just welding, but it, it's the the work itself is is huge. Uh, like so, a, a jet engine on a typical jet, I don't know, a seven thirty seven, I guess, would be a reference. Uh, enlarge that by probably close to 100 times. You know, I, I don't know what one of those weighs, but uh, pretty much every machine we work on is well over a million pounds all put together. They call it a train. You have a, a gas turbine that then hooks up to a generator, and then that spins and produces electricity. We have about 400 gas turbines in Florida alone, so that that's just the gas turbines. Then you have steam turbines that are coal-fired or nuclear-fired, and uh, all over. So it, it's yep. it's a good business to be in. Paul the, the, and everyone listening, the, the, these things are enormous. When I when he showed me some photos of the stuff he works on, it's like, I, they're like the size of a house, and he's like under it, you know, working on it. I'm, I'm if you can't tell, I'm really impressed with my brother uh, and his ability. To, <laughs> so, what is really it about you two brothers that were fascinated with power in one way or another, or, or <laughs> performance? I mean, that's that's a big engine. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really about wheels, right, Ted? I mean, anything with, you know, when you talk, so I, just to lead in uh, and then kind of what we really want to get into today, in addition to the work that Ted does in the industrial area of welding, he creates these motorbikes. And both of us are driven by things with wheels. Why don't you talk about that, Chad? You're, you're, how, I don't know. Why do we love wheels so much? <laughs> it's got to be dad. I mean, I, be some dad. of my earliest yeah. memories are, are you guys going to look for cars and me being a little kid in diapers. Sometimes the diaper's not working in the back of Jaguars and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember anything other than playing with cars and watching. I, I remember your Beetle that you all were rebuilding, and then when you were in college, that's how I got my first car with the Gremlin. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it just it doesn't stop, and it, it keeps you busy, and it keeps you thinking. So, so My brother was a little ahead of his time. I was given the Gremlin as a Christmas present, and I rejected it. And he was like, I want it. And, and he, saw the, he saw the beauty therein that I You didn't not. want that beautiful um, Gremlin that they used to make? <laughs> well, <laughs> to, to be fair, to be fair, I liked AMC styling from the 70s, but... But I, I had a real, uh, you know, the, the car designer that I am, I, I didn't like that it had been repainted. I was like that much of a fine-tuned, wow. yeah, little design style back then when I was a kid. But my brother, who, you know, the, the big difference between the two of us is I, I tend to design machines for the road, but my brother can make things with his hands that you can, that most people can only, you know, only dream of. And uh, we're, it's, it's kind of strange because we're both in the same field, but we both approach it very differently. So he saw, whereas I saw a botched restoration, he saw potential for uh, a really cool hot rod. I think the biggest difference between us is that you design more production-based uh, mini units will be produced. And, and everything that interests me is the individual you know, wants and desires of what it looks like, acts like, and performs. But, you know, it yeah. seems like those two worlds are converging because um, on the show, a couple shows ago, you had Felix on. I forget his last name. Felix Holtz, was that it? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he had been, of all things, the designer at Matchbox and Hot Wheels. So he's the guy that took these designs that Brian and others did and tried to turn them into little miniaturized toys here. And then with the Hot Wheels stuff, they were trying to, you know, turn them into overblown, crazy fantasies of what these cars look like. But what he's doing now is trying to get into personalized cars. This idea that maybe every car can have your own 
personal face to it, your own personal aspects, more than just a new set of bumpers. It, it could be you. And maybe that's Absolutely. where the whole world is coming back to, away from mass production to the ability to mass produce one of a kind. Talk I, about as that. I said earlier, I've always thought that Chad was a little more ahead of his time than me, whereas I really wanted to go into the world of production. He's, he's very much in tune with the one-off personalization, personal-created vehicles. And um, I think that's, that's kind of the, the main gist of today why I wanted to have him on, because we, we do design in such a different way. But this, this world is changing. After talking with people like Felix, you realize what Chad does is where the industry is going. Um, Chad, why don't you talk? I, I'd love to hear, like, uh, or for the listeners also to hear, how, how do you get inspired when you, when you get a commission to do a bike or a bumper or some piece? Like, where, where do you get your inspiration for what you're actually going to create? Uh, the way I start, especially on the motorcycles, is, is actually more of like the way you would go in and buy a suit. Uh, I think just like a road bicycle or anything like that, you want it to fit yourself. And, and we all have kind of like styles. We see, you know, Jesse James on a chopper and, and think, I want that for me. And, and then someone like me comes in and, and kind of guides the person. I like to call them clients. Guides the client into what they need and how we make that look work for them. But you can't just, you know, a picture of Jesse James and then someone who's nowhere near their size. We have to scale it and, and, and really fit it to them and their needs. But overall, it's mostly just, you know, media and, and TV and there was all the biker build-offs. That was huge for everyone. That that really sparked a lot of stuff. But I'm I'm much more simple than that. I don't really take too many on per se because I have money in other ways, but as I have done, it's it's very much tailor-fitted. I want the bike to work for them and fit and sit on that well-broken-in glove, so to speak. And it, it really makes a difference in you experience. Now I'm going to date myself. Uh, I'm much older than you guys here, but I remember when Easy Rider came out, 1969, oh. I think it was, 68, 69, something like I, that. It was. It's the 50th anniversary just recently. There you go. And I was just a suburban kid growing up in Detroit. Everybody's dad worked for a car company, and I'd never seen anything like that. That bike, that Captain America bike that Peter Fonda wrote, mm -hmm. uh, which they blew up at the end. Um, I just had a poster of that on my wall for years. I thought that was the cool, that wasp look to it. You know, the, the, it, it did look like parts of a wasp, the, the gas tank and everything else like that. Yep. That's the first time I ever saw anything that didn't look like a production vehicle to me. And, and I don't know if that still carries through, but to a certain degree, bikes, uh, you know, have been that frontier where people could personalize things. I mean, there were, there's Harleys and there's, and, and fascination with the old Indian bikes and stuff. But I just think this idea of turning something that you're going to ride into an extension of you is something cool and unique. Talk about that a little bit. It's, I, it boils down to a motorcycle is more of a toy. And so for someone to take their motorcycle off the road and modify it to their liking and their needs that, you know, screams their personality uh, it makes it a little more accessible than, say, your car with way more parts, way more uses, way more needs from it. But rider bike specifically is, is pretty much my inspiration for everything that I do in my shop. I love the long front ends. I love the skinnier tires. You know, make it look cool, make it ride great, and go as many miles as you can. Have fun with it. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's, it's really cool, Paul. When um, when Chad is working in the shop, he 
we'll really have to direct people to his um, to his social media accounts at the end of this because he he does things with metal that I've never quite seen anybody else do. He can make metal uh, move and, and and bend and undulate almost like fabric. Um, you know, like whereas let's let's say one of the things I love about what Chad does is he'll take like an old fashioned uh, design trope, like let's use the flame for example in hot rods, and he will replicate it in the actual forms of the metal. Um, talk a bit about that, Chad. How you? I love the way you sort of reinvent uh, ideas from the past in a modern way. And then you can maybe the, the the flame is a good example. Well, I'll even go back to to coming to Nissan uh, and visiting you guys. And uh, I, I think her name was Jill, but she wanted me to take photos with a, a picture camera, just like an old disposable one, of anything that caught my eye. Didn't matter what it was. And for years, I've been <laughs> wrapping my head around how that helped her with design and and she said that what you just me it was that was what they like to do to see what people what caught people's eye and that you know getting inspiration from outside sources was so crucial for them and i i didn't wrap my head around it for still to this day i'm you know i ponder all of that and you know and even with music some of the greatest musicians are not you know they listen to jazz. It's not the same mm-hmm. genre, so to speak. So, you know, kind of cross pollination, if you will, and and whatnot. So, I'm really into old hot rods. We had a I had a neighbor growing up. Brian's much older than me, but so when I was growing up, he excuse me, sure, how much? I'm, I was going to say, is he going to let that slide here? He's much older. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess in reference to to we didn't grow up at the same era because you know it was different yeah. houses. Yeah. But my neighbor growing up through high school. And he's very into the 30s and 40s and 50s of all hot rod culture. And he's very period correct, they like to call it. So everything was very kind of figured out already for him. And and then I get into motorcycles and I see all these different eras. You have your 60s and 70s long choppers and then horrible 90s of, you know, bright and billet everything. Somewhere in between that is where I've found all my inspiration. So in back in tank, the flame motorcycle hot rod is it's timeless and how do you make that different well i play with metal so i wanted more of like a 3d flame so i did i took 316 steel rod and painstakingly made it fit around a tank and then did a bunch of bondo work to it and everyone was telling me to paint it flame colors but the whole point was to do it more inconsistent where you know at night when you ride the bike no one really notices it but during the daylight you see all these different colors coming from the reflections in the just black paint so, you know i i don't know that i'm the first one to do it like 100 hours just staring at a tank and sanding away and and i'm out of that one for sure let's let's interrupt for one second here because some of you are cutting out on your cell phone or something here there's any place you can reposition it or move it around a little bit we're losing some of this good gold here Okay. Well, one of the things he mentioned was that he, I don't know if you still have, I'll just kind of grab a couple thoughts that I heard uh, cut out. But what what the cool thing was that I thought was really interesting is that he was interpreting flame and he resisted the the, the feedback of people to to make it colorful because that's the way flames are. He did it with texture and and shape versus graphic. And that was the coolest part of about that. And you got to see this, but we'll have to direct people to it because it's. it's, I got to see it. Let's do that right now. We'll give it a couple of times here. Where can people go see this? Uh, my main yeah. Instagram, the Manduzel, T H E M A N D O O Z L E, 
from there you can find my other i have a sh- more shop specific dr doozle's metal lab uh and what does doozle mean is that just a cool term or i don't know what a doozle is uh you know i don't either but uh if you urban dictionary man doozle it's uh quite an embarrassing definition but <laughs> okay when, when uh got into the nuclear plants and and Facebook for me started my first year in college and back then it was only college students. So I got on and, you know, started documenting my life on the internet pretty much. And then when we all started getting into careers, we had to kind of figure out how to avoid employers finding all that. So there's the, uh, the nicknames. And so my name went from Chad Thompson to Chad Manduzel and more of just a joke, but then getting into other social medias like Instagram, it just kind of stuck. And, you can't really forget it, so it does kind of. I help. don't think I'm going to forget it. So spell it again: the T H E man M A N Doozle D O O Z L E. Is that it? That is correct. All right, I'm going to go check this out while we're talking to the oh, man yeah, Doozle. There's, there's a whole family man Doozle now. Even my little nephew who just came to the world is a, is a <laughs> mini man Doozle. <laughs> yeah, my wife's Miss Doozle and and Ozzy Bo Doozle. And well, we got a reality show we're going to build out of this. It sounds like here, the Doozles. <laughs> Welcome to the Doozles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you're trying to take this. Brian said a word that I never hear in metal. Uh, And the only other time I've ever heard it was with the innovative uh, Disney uh, concert hall here in downtown Los Angeles, which is undulate, which means it moves in a wave-like fashion. Metal, by definition, is usually cut in square forms. Uh, I know motorcycles aren't. They're shaped into... uh, You know, tanks and stuff. They're, they're, They're dew drops. They're... They're other things but i don't talk about undul- undulating means it's sort of waves doesn't that isn't that hard to do without putting stress on the metal well you know oh let me take this for just a quick second and like jump sure. off of it because one thing i think is really interesting about the the two thompson brothers is that we both have a real love of form and shape and i don't know where that came from because it it it, 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 it could have come from our dad it could have come from our environment but we love form. And so, to, whereas I will draw form, Chad can make form. Uh, and, and the idea of undulating sheet metal, if you think about it, that's, that's what cars do, right? They, they have a very sumptuous, uh, voluptuous form vocabulary. And then Chad is able to create th- that as well in the work that he does. Take it away, brother. See, I, I love how you describe all that, with especially words that I'm not even remotely familiar with. But <laughs> I, I wish I could make the, the metal work like fabric and that's ultimately yeah the goal. right um i i most of my free time or especially when i'm away working is spent researching and finding people that are playing with metal and in, in much much better more efficient ways than i do well i challenge i was just gonna say i challenge you to go look up the disney um uh, concert hall because when they built it i read an article in i don't know some architectural thing i was just fascinated by this they had to the architect came up with this idea, and the metal workers didn't know how to make it they, because it bends. It's 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 it is like a piece of fabric, and it it curves and it bends in strange ways. And they didn't know how to build it. They had to create a new vocabulary and some new metalworking techniques to build a building that undulated. That's beautiful. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see it, and it's like right up my alley. You know, between shaping metal and being able to weld. Um, I, I just work on things until it works for me and I'm still working on everything, working out, you know, parallel to each other and, and, you know, lines being actually correct. But 
I'm able to shape it and weld it and shape it. And I mostly work with steel and steel is very, uh, uh, resilient to beating and heating and metal just working for you, getting into stuff. And, like, and uh, do these things ride as good as they look? I always wonder if they're just, like you said, a toy that really, some of them look so exotic that Jesse James or those other guys are from the East Coast in New York were designing. I thought, I'll bet, I don't know if it really rides well. It looks cool going down the road, but does it function as well as flow? See, with, with the idea of tailor-fitted, that's my other goal, is 100% rideability. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a small group of buddies that I, I keep in good touch with that do similar stuff. And everyone says the same thing when they see pictures of most of our bikes. Nah, that's not rideable. I, I, people look at it, but then when you ride it coast to coast and they go, really? It, it's very rideable. Yeah, right. Um, it, it's it's all into the geometry and and you know i'm i'm a fan of engineering i'm not an engineer by any means but i'm a huge fan of it and understand that mathematics and and geometry go into all this and with the right uh amount of education towards yourself and what you're building you really can make some pretty spectacular stuff work but as far as what you're saying with the the guys on the east coast and jesse james most of them do work and do ride, but a lot of that style that was coming out of those biker build-offs, they, they, they've slowly died off pretty Yeah, because well it just doesn't, it looks cool, but it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's hard to, I was even one of the Captain America bikes with the, with the handles way up in the air. How would you steer that thing and, and avoid something? Uh, it seems, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem function. I never asked Brian this question, but do you worry about the function when you're worrying about the form or is that the for up to the engineers to figure out oh i mean we you know so it's 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 such a different field right like so automotive uh considerations are obviously about the function but it's the function of what's inside the vehicle does the radiator fit does the does the you know can you package a human being inside this um are, are the form vocabulary that we're using something that's going to be relevant and modern you know seven years from now it's, so it's, it's, quite, it's quite different, whereas what Chad's working on, you know, he's making a bike that somebody's going to ride and wants to make sure they can ride it. So they're tied together in the sense of both have to consider the end user, but whereas Chad is considering a person's personal taste, I, I, the work I do is more considering, you know, the mass marketing of a, an industrial product that's going to sell uh, or, or be used by different, uh, different, a whole bunch of different people. So, so do you think there's an intersection coming between the two? The, whereas, pers- you know, for example, I'm out of radio. I, I started in real radio 100 million years ago where we had a playlist, the top 10, the top 20, yeah. the top 40. And that, that formula, how does that work in these days for radio stations? Not too well. Because you've got Pandora, you've got Spotify, you've got an instant playlist of endless choices. And, and this podcast. This podcast, exactly. So we can find these kinds of unique little niches that nobody else is playing in, and we can and we can build and spin an audience around it here. Um, I wonder well, if mass merchandising is just going to be the mass production of one-off creations like your brother's doing. You know, I think that that's the, that's the thing that uh, Chad is, is touching on, and I, and I think that it is a, a glimpse into the future, is that, People always say to me uh, when they talk about when they ask me about cars, they say, "Why do all cars look the same these days?" And I and I always just say, "Just you wait," because that business model of making a little bit of money on a lot of cars, you know, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Baby Bear, yeah, right, uh, you know, Corolla, Camry, etc. That business model is changing, and I do think we are going to see a lot more room for a lot more creativity in exactly the way you just mentioned, where um, obviously there's the service industry, the rideshare vehicles that will drive themselves. 
But what that does is it frees up for niche market, meaning smaller markets, to appeal to somebody that has a specific taste. So you could imagine, like there's a company in Chatsworth here uh, called Icon, and they make re, uh, refabricated Broncos uh, from Ford and <laughs> Cruisers. Refabricated Broncos. There's another vehicle that I thought was long dead in the scrap heap, but every so often, people still have a fascination with that vehicle, don't they? That first. Uh, and what they do with them is incredible. So they're they're targeting an individual's taste with a mass per- marketed vehicle in a niche market, and so that's where I think that there's going to be a lot more room for these entrepreneurs like my brother, who is not only using the technology of handmade, but also the modern connectivity of reaching a lot of different people to, to, re- to, to be able to target their specific taste. You know, th- this world that we live in being so connected, it's kind of, that's kind of the beauty now that uh, as, as, as the mass market maybe moves to self-driving rideshare, it frees up the space for people to really get exactly what they want for a specific vehicle like the ones that uh, the Manduzel will build you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We had somebody in here from Pagani Supercars mm-hmm. a while ago. I'd never even heard of them. They only build, there's two dealerships in the whole country, one of them's in Newport Beach here, and one's the other one's in Beverly Hills. And I said, so if I go there, how many do I see in the showroom? And the guy laughed. He said, one, maybe two. Yeah. You know, that's the dealer has one or two, and these cars sell for a couple million dollars each. Um, and there's a number of these kinds of super Konigsberg and others making all these oddball supercars out there. Are there s- similar attempts to make super rich super bikes? I don't. Yeah, there is. I think Keanu Reeves is doing or was trying at some time, and there, there is. But again, the motorcycles come back to being toys. I don't see people breaking the bank so so much as you know when you when a, a dad gets on a motorcycle he gets away from his family he does whatever, but when with the car market like Icon, you can bring your family you can design your car into your family's lifestyle. Are you into canoeing? Are you into fishing? Are you, you know and and really there's a huge market coming for that I believe, but motorcycles eh, it's more of a fun fun outlet that, that you can kind of get. So I'm not going to see a million-dollar superbike uh, that goes a million miles an hour here. Maybe Chad will be the first. Chad, have you, ever, have you ever worked with electric bikes for that? Yeah, it's another home. interested in that? I'm, I'm very interested because I want to be able to ride dirt bikes in my backyard. And the <laughs> biggest uh, downfall. There's the redneck angle. Okay, he's got to ride him through the dirt here. All right. <laughs> well, I do, but I already do. And my neighbors, since I was little, have absolutely just put up with me and, and <laughs> the graciousness of you know being a good neighbor, I guess. But um, the downfall is the noise. And you know, I build mufflers and do the you know try to make them as as best as I can. But you know, 30 minutes of something twice as loud as a lawnmower is going to go away. But uh, as far as longevity, I or like on the road riding, I don't, I don't like it. I, it just doesn't appeal to me as far as jumping on a motorcycle and say go to the beach or you know I live in Florida, so you know thirty minutes away is the beach. The silentness or the silent nature is just not appealing, especially on a motorcycle. You know what? We've got to cut this off. I'm wondering, do you want to do a part two of this? Should we record a second part of this and share this? Because we're on a roll here. I think you're just getting in some interesting yeah. stuff, and we've run out of time here on today's show. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, let's do it. Uh, if you have time, Chad, do you want to do the little sign-off yeah. and let people know? Or Yeah, so let's, uh, let's end this episode and by telling everybody how they can reach both of you and reminding them that... Uh, they can tune in next week, and we'll record a part two at the, in, in a few moments here that they can hear in a few weeks. 
So how did uh, we'll start with Chad? How does everybody reach you? I'm on Instagram at the Manduzel. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget that one, the Manduzel. Okay, all right. It's it's definitely not forgettable. So, and then my uh, my more shop specific is Doctor Duzel's Metal Lab, and uh, both of those I I keep up on pretty regularly. Do you talk to the animals or just the uh, or just the metals here, Doctor Duzel, <laughs> Doctor Doolittle? It reminded me of him. Okay, and uh, and uh, Brian, how do they reach you? So my name is the best way to find it, which is Brian <laughs> S. Thompson. You can spell it right and you can spell it wrong with a Y or an I. Uh, I'm on all handles that way. Uh, Brian S. like Scott Thompson uh, in the social medias. Yep, that's it. Fascinating talk with two guys that are really into this design world. We're going to come back and do a part two. So come back, those of you listening today, and look up part two of this one right after this. Hey, you've been listening to Driven by Design, the only show that shows you the future of automotive design, one vehicle at a time.